Blood Charms, chapters five to nine. The opposite of Dolly Parton's nine to five. Um, <laughs> On the night shift. Yeah. Working five to five. I've had lots of lovely messages and comments about the first few chapters, um, which is very nice. And when we started it, I didn't really know how it was going to be, but what it's turned into is basically just like a big piss take, isn't it? <laughs> a big piss take on me how this works. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it like that because it's not... Like 8 Mile for the Shakespearean 8 Mile. Well, it was just it was just a book before. Yeah. And now it's a listening experience yeah. with, uh, you know, voices. Your favourite Northern Stoners. <laughs> us being silly, mm. uh, which I... I think it elevates it. It's fun, man. I had a good time, yeah. So, just a little recap. We are uh, Lily. She hates her life. Um, Tell me about it, Lil. <laughs> um, her mum and brother need help. Um, she doesn't know what to do. She's depressed. And... Um, a creature comes to take her away and she's woke up in another world called Zephira. Um, she's trying to explain where Liverpool is to aliens um, and they don't know where it is because they're aliens to almost... But they all sound like wolves. But they're all wolves. <laughs> um, so we're going to carry on with our story. Yeah. And... Chapter five. You got anything to add? No. Okay. I'm just gonna. The human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> right. The quick <laughs> brown fox. Is Unique it brown? You New York. What was we saying the other day? That was hard to say. I don't know. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled pepper. A peck of pick up a Peter Piper picked. But if Peter Piper picked a peck of pack 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 of Back to the book. Asterix. Asterix. When Theodore poked his head around. Say chapter five. Chapter five. So Theodore's gone to look for Liverpool on the map. Okay. Chapter five. Chapter five. When Theodore poked his head around the door, his face was heavily grooved. Can I borrow you? (laughs) I forgot my voice. (laughs) Can I borrow you for a second, River? His wife scuttled out into the hall and they had a conversation that Lily was not invited to, but she managed to catch a few words spoken too loudly. Nomad and thief to name a few. River returned to the living room, meeting Lily's gaze with a look of pity. She knelt beside her, sighing dramatically down Lily's ear. Theo has had a look at the map, dearie, and there's no England or Liverpool on there that we can see. Are you certain that's where you came from? You said you woke up in a field, isn't that right? Perhaps you've fallen and hit your head. River pressed the back of her hands against Lily's forehead. You don't seem to have a fever, but 
You could still be disorientated. Do you recall it in your head at all? No. She stammered. There's nothing wrong with my head. I haven't just imagined my entire existence. River's gaze sank to the floor. She crouched silently for a while, leaving Lily to faster. We'll be able to find you better help in the morning. And someone to check you over so we can rule out head injuries. I'll get you on to your mother, dear, don't worry. That's a promise, promise. But the wisest thing to do was rest here for the night. Lily wasn't sure what to say or do or think. Her brain hurt on another level. How can there be no England on your map? She replied finally. There just isn't one, dear. Theo's even checked the tiny islands around the coast and there isn't a pebble in the ocean by that name. Lily shook her head, beginning to doubt herself and her surroundings. It made more sense that she might be dreaming. And this is a map of where exactly? Zephira, River answered in an instant. And is Zephira a country? Theodore grumbled from the doorway. It's worse than I thought. <laughs> no, dear, River continued, grasping Lily's hand sympathetically. Zephira is our world. Surely you know that. Lily gritted her teeth. This can't be true, she thought. None of this is real. River slinked back to her husband, keeping her eyes locked on their strange guest. The girl is a shadow. <laughs> Sound like Sean Bean. <laughs> I like it. Theodore concluded adamantly. She sold her memories for the fix. <laughs> <laughs> Lily felt as though she was watching the plot of an elaborate play unfold. It was a tragedy and she was the star. She can stay for one night, but no more. He added. We'll probably wake up tomorrow with half the house missing. Lily narrowed her eyes at him, taking offence. I thought you had an aid at Liverpool. We don't all steal things. The Thomases eyed one another cluelessly, like they were listening to the babblings of a mad woman. And in truth, Lily was starting to feel like a mad woman. Why couldn't she explain things better? Why didn't she know what had happened to her? River's mouth was a taut line of concern. So young for a nomad. Such a waste of a life. Lily shrunk into silence. She needed rest, water and privacy. Not an argument. Tomorrow, she would get the answers she needed. Sensing as much, River suggested that they call it a night. What's important now is that we get some sleep. We can work this out in the morning, when our heads are fresh. Come on, dearie. I'll show you to your room. River wrapped a motherly arm around Lily's shoulders, guiding her out the sitting room and down another impossibly long corridor. Don't forget the slumber sniff, Theodore bellowed after them. Or she'll be off into the night with our valuables. Lily tensed, but stayed quiet. Pay him no heed, Lily. He's a brute at times, but he means no harm. I'm not going to steal anything, she said defensively. I have every faith, Miss Lily. Your eyes are far too kind for a thief. River led her through a labyrinth of passageways until she was well and truly lost. Even if she wanted to leave and brave the night, she would have great trouble escaping. It's so much bigger on the inside. She thought aloud. Are we underground? No, dear. We're just on special ground. Before Lily could say anything else, River stops abruptly at an arched doorway. Here we are. She followed River inside, looking around in astonishment. It was a bedroom made from the stuff of fairy tales. The bed, dresser and drawers were cut from gigantic tree trunks, nobles and all, but polished to a high sheen and carved with ornate flowers around the base. Will this do? River asked the epitome of politeness it's gorgeous she said shocked by the lavishness thank you it's my pleasure river smiled meekly i'm glad we can help you even in small amounts 
She waddled over to the bed and patted the mattress for Lily to join her. Please, have a seat, dear. Lily went without persuasion, her body too weak to deny an open bed. River waved her palm above the glossy tree stump at the side of the bed. Open, please, she commanded. A hidden compartment jumped out, revealing a ball of some sorts. There's a sphere in here. Ask it for directions to the kitchen in the morning and it'll guide you right to us. I'll have breakfast waiting. Do you have any preferences? Lily shook her head, still in awe of the voice-controlled bedside table. Very well then, River continued, pulling out a tiny box from the compartment. Just through there is your own bathroom. You'll find all the refreshments you need. Her face changed to apologetic as she lifted the lid from the box and thrust it under Lily's nose. Now, if you wouldn't mind taking a sniff. A peppermint sting clambered up Lily's nostrils and she felt the world dissolve around her, dot by dot, until there was nothing left. In the morning, Lily woke with a wince. Her brain felt as though it had been crushed against a shrinking skull. For a fleeting second, she imagined how glorious it would be to wake up in her own room, in her own bed, with her mother and brother close enough to run to and hold. But when that fantasy faded, the reality stung even more. She was right where she'd left off, in the Thomas's guest room, without answers or explanation. The thought of her mother and brother waking up to an empty bed made her feel sick. She needed to contact them immediately. Lily sprung up, the blunt movements pain in her head, but she didn't care. The faster she was out of there, the faster she would be home. Memories of the night resurfaced. The revelation that she was no longer on Earth, but on some alien planet. She could only laugh at the absurdity of it. What a stupid thing to say, she decided. Just as River had done, Lily commanded the bedside table open and plucked out the ball of translucent matter. She balanced it on her palm, unsure of what to do next. It had a texture similar to water, but gave off no moisture. When she sandwiched it between her hands, the ball disappeared to nothing, only reappearing when she lifted them apart again. It was the technology of dreams, or DMT trips. And you would love this, she thought, growing excited at the notion of telling him about it. Show me the way to the kitchen, she asked the ball, feeling idiotic. The sphere remained stagnant. Show me the way to the kitchen, please. This time, it pulsed to life, thrusting a white light towards the door. Lily followed its lead, positively mystified as it zigzagged along the tangle of hallways. Weird, she mused. The beam cut off with a zap as she reached a half-open door. Stepping inside, Lily found River prancing clunkily around a dining table. She was dishing up food for four. Theodore sat at the head of the table with a young man to his right, their son. Lily surmised. Good morning, River chimed, rushing over to meet her at the door. You're right on time. Slumber sniff wears off at eight hours to the very second. Here, drink this. She forced a glass of fizzing liquid into Lily's hand. A date's are a common side effect, but this will wash away any discomfort. She gloved back the drink, not bothering to pay attention to the taste. Theodore's eyes stayed fixed on his food as Lily took a seat at the table. His son, however, inspected her every move with purpose. He had the same blue eyes as his mother, but unlike hers, they were heavily filled with judgement. Sensing the tension, River motioned between the two of them. Son, this is Lily. Lily, this is Theon. Yes, I gathered that. He responded quickly, unblinkingly. Hello, she managed. His intensity forced her gaze down to her plate. Given everything that had happened over the past 24 hours, Lily's appetite for anything but answers was poor. What are you going to do with her then? Theon asked, as though she wasn't present in the room. Well... 
we'll have to take her to the doctors, I imagine. What do you say, Theo? Seems like the logical first step. He nodded, shoveling in a fork full of food. She might see something in the market that'll trigger her memory. Memory retrieval is very rare. Impossible, almost. Theo <laughs> <laughs> commented, still staring intently. Though it was uncharacteristic of Lily to interrupt anyone, she couldn't listen to the Thomas's mad ramblings anymore. The need to speak up consumed her. My memory is fine, she burst. <laughs> I just need to know where I am and how to get home. And then that's all. And if, if you can find me a phone, I'll do the rest. She braved a look at Theon. You must have a phone. Theon switched like a robot short circuiting. Dear right, if your memories are gone and you can't remember where you've come from, then I'm afraid your chances of bringing them back are very slim indeed. Don't you have a picture with you? Sometimes looking at old images can stir up memories in your head. It's very rare, but it's, it's worth a shot. Lily's nostrils flared, insanity mounted with every word. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know exactly where I've come from. Me mum, me brother, me, Liverpool. <laughs> Lily thrust her arms into the air and began chanting like a football hooligan. You'll never walk alone. She waited. Nothing but blank expressions stared back at her. The Beatles, Yellow Submarine, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, those things haven't just been made up by my puny brain. I wish I had the bloody brains to come up with that. I'd be rich, living in a mansion, eating all the Linda McCartney sausages I could fit in my gob, not wandering around Toxler for midnight having slimy green monsters spit in my mouth. <laughs> this is the realest bit. <laughs> this goes round. River covered her eyes as though she was embarrassed to be seen in an argument. Oh no, oh no, that didn't make the least bit of sense, Theo. She's definitely lost it. The girl's an absolute lunatic. Theodore agreed. Miles past the brink of saving, I say, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. Wait. Theon pressed his hands flush against the table. He was rigid, eyes wide with unreadable emotion. Wait. He said again, then fell silent. What is it, dear? She. 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 <laughs> she what? Theodore grumbled. <laughs> Spit it out, son. Theon tapped at his temples, muttering something inaudible, then turned to lock eyes with Lily. What was the last part? What? The last part. You shot. What was it? About the, the spit. Lily's voice was rocky. Why would you believe that part of the story, that horrible green thing, was the most ridiculous bit? Theon rose to his feet, brushing his hands nervously down the front of his shirt. Eh, uh, nervously. <laughs> it's more of a, like, it's it's a tick that he's got, so he does this all the time, like straightening, flattening out his shirt, but you don't have to do the actions. I know, <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying, okay, I, I don't you, know. You're trying to method act. I just don't know how he's, how to do this. Lily Luther, no, but, <sighs> Lily Luther, I, I, I can't do it. Do whatever voice you want, if you can't do it. I don't know what do to do, though. Do your voice. Stressing me out, this character. Lily Luther. <laughs> <laughs> you make him American if you want. No. Lily Luther, you need to tell me all that you remember of the encounter right now. <laughs> this second. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Try American. No, I can't go American. He's already been in it. He's uh, hardly been in it. You can do what you want. I need I need him to be distinguishable. 
And Layla Luke. <laughs> if that's if that's better, no, it doesn't it's work. Funny. The story though, does it? It's fill- none of this work makes sense, doing none of this makes any sense. Luther, you need to tell me all that you remember of that encounter right now, this second. Theon, River chastised. Sorry. He shook his head, then corrected himself. Tell me everything you remember right now, this second, please. Lily complied, sensing the importance. I was in the park and something attacked me. It was awful. I've never seen anything like it before, like a reptile, but in the shape of a man. And it stunk like rotten, horrible shite, like people <laughs> from St. Ellen's. And it, and it said things to me, a load of gibberish, made me hallucinate. I must have been spiked. In turn, the others rose. Lily couldn't understand why the three of them were glaring down at her with a mixture of adoration and alarm, fear and excitement. I can't remember what happened after that, uh, but but I woke up in a field and, and I walked until I found this house. That sounds mental, but I swear to God, that's what happened. Theon's arms rested stiffly at his side. Lily Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Lily Luther. It is a oh, I feel like <laughs> fucking thingy on a <laughs> wizard. <laughs> Lily Luther, it is a <laughs> fuck off. It is of the utmost importance. Lily Luther, it's it is of the utmost of importance. What? <laughs> Lily Luther, it is of the utmost importance that you tell me exactly what the Saragophagus said to you. Please. I, I can't remember. Think. He pressed. Lily shut her eyes, trying to pull the creature's gruesome face into focus. She saw its lips move. She felt its clammy fingers around her jaw, the vile stench, and then at last came the audio, rushing forward from a dark crevice in the back of her mind. Luna? It said fine, Luna. Theodore's fists pounded the table. Luna? Did she just say Luna? Theon turned from the table and began pacing the room. No, no, no. We aren't equipped for this. They've sent her to the wrong address. I can't believe it, River cried. It's happening for you. And it's happening under our roof. All skies above. What a revelation. Why has she been sent to us? Theon yelled. What can we do? What? What? (laughs) What can we do? (laughs) The girl is under our protection now. Theodore said. We must look after her. Oh, but she's so young, Theo. However will she cope? River reached across the table to cup Lily's face in her hands. This was far from the reaction Lily had expected. Somehow she had gotten herself more involved in the chaos. What's happening? She demanded. River moved beside her. Oh dear, don't you see? You're the one. The one what? The one who's been sent to save us. Rage lifted Lily to a stance. Last night they had thought her insane, but now it was the other way around. You're all crazy, she shouted, but no one was listening to her anymore. Where to begin? Theodore thought aloud, stroking his beard. Where to begin? Theon steadied himself against a chair and sank down into it like a folded cardboard cutout. He leaned in closer to Lily, blinking erratically. There's much you need to know. Much you need to learn. Not much time to do it either. <laughs> to do either. Just read it. Sorry. Just read it. <laughs> you don't have to do the actions. There's much you need to know. 
Much you need to learn. And not much time to do either. I think you've mistaken me for someone else, to be honest, she objected. Again, no one listened. Your purpose here is very important. He continued, still blinking wildly. Our world is under threat. You are the only thing that can save us. It is prophesied. Fated. Lily laughed heartily. (laughs) Searching for evidence of a joke on their faces. This is a prank, isn't it? No. Theon's face was like steel, slicing through any trace of humour. We would not joke about something so serious. It's true, dearie. Millions of lives are at your mercy. Every shred of common sense Lily had assured her that it couldn't be true. And yet they looked at her with unconditional hope. If these people were lying to her, then why? What would they have to gain? Oh my, she needs an invigorator. River rushed into the adjoining kitchen, poured a tall glass of frothy liquid and offered it to Lily. Here, drink this. It'll take away your nausea. Lily gawked at the swampy fluid. I reckon that'll make me worse. Trust me, she prompted. I got rid of your headache, didn't I? Lily nodded, only now noticing the difference. She pinched her nose, trusting River's word, and powered through. Good girl, she praised, taking away the empty glass. Lily stared blankly at her hands, wishing she had studied palmistry to help guide her through unfathomable situations such as this one. Theon cleared his throat and their eyes met across the table. <coughs> I'm here to answer any questions you may have. Too personal. Thank you, Grantia. Fine. I'll ask you some questions. Theon flinched, seemingly confused by the escalation of her temper. How about what the fuck is going on? I should be at home right. I should. I should be at home. <laughs> I should be at home right now. You're nervous about school tomorrow. I should be at home right now feeling nervous about school tomorrow, but instead I'm here. Why is that? I I don't know how to answer that. He rubbed his shirt again. A tick, Lily realised. Except the prophecy states... Prophecy? She scoffed. What are you on about? Her body felt like a tightly coiled spring. One more nudge in the wrong direction and she would go through the roof. So what you're telling me is... She hoped that repeating everything out loud would make them realise how ludicrous they all sounded. I have been ripped from my home, torn apart from my family, dragged through space against my will, discarded onto a forsaken planet, forced to carry the weight of a million lives, and the only explanation you can give is prophecy. Her words stung, summoning a gasp from River. A wince from Theodore and further blinking from Theon. I'm sorry that we don't have the answers you're looking for, Miss Lily. Theodore confessed, his head bowed in grief. Believe me when I say, this is a shock to us too. Though our situations are quite different, we are nothing but humble craftspeople of Capello. On your <laughs> arri- <laughs> and your arrival here is something we never thought to prepare for. But I can give you my word that you are safe here with us. We will do what we can for you. I'm sorry that we cannot offer you more than that at present. When we make some sense of this ourselves, you'll be the first to know. I swear it. We must first find a way to get you to Luna, River smiled, but the sheen had gone from her eyes. If anyone can offer you an explanation, it is our peacekeeper. Guilt simmered her down, 
It was not the Thomases who had gotten her into this mess. It was the Thomases who had shown her kindness, opened up their home to her. Sorry, she said, almost whispering. The devastation of being away from her family weighed like an anchor on her soul, and Lily had a terrible feeling that the ordeal was far from over. End of chapter five. So we've met Theon. Mm, His accent went all over the place, wasn't it? Oh yeah, he's a strange boy, isn't he? I think he's worked it out now, though. Okay, yeah. I think he's decided that he's a bit posh. Do you like me rants? Good then. I was scared. I was also wondering what the neighbours think when you were like, you never were <laughs> 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 Um Chapter 6. The room turned sombre in silence, with nothing but the offbeat ticking of various clocks to fill the air. The sound pounded in Lily's ears, a harrowing reminder of every second she spent away from home. Every second her mother worried in her absence and her brother cried for her return. But there was nothing she could do, only wait. Lines of concentration carved across Theon's face, making him appear older than before. One of you must have a link to Luna. River shook her head. <laughs> I didn't know I could say Luna like that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go on. <laughs> River shook her head, lips pursed. I don't know a soul from Andorra North, and I imagine everyone has fled from there by now anyway. Remus has gone to Sedina. I could try and contact him if he's our only chance, but I highly doubt he will have ties with the peacekeeper. And I doubt even more that he will be able to keep Lily's arrival to himself. The man's a gossip. And what about you? He said, addressing his father. We need to concentrate now. Think of friends of friends. Well, if I'd known this day was coming... I probably would have kept in touch with more folk. Hold on a minute, River burst. What about the chap you used to know when you were a youngster, Theo? You know, oh, what's his name? Alan Fatless. <laughs> Fallon Atlas. He corrected. That's the one, didn't Fallon he? St- <laughs> 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 what was his name? Alan Fatless. <laughs> It's fallen Atlas. Every <laughs> bastard time. It's fallen. Sorry, go on. That's the one. Didn't his sister marry a member of the Order? Yes, yes, that does ring a bell. Blimey. I haven't thought about the man in years. I wonder how he's getting on. Theodore pulled a hand through his dense wire beard. You can ask him yourself. Theon told him. Yes, I suppose I can. His posture sagged as though daunted by the road ahead. However, will you reach him, dear? I can only hope he's still living in Capello South. If he isn't, then tracking him down will be a challenge. Getting him to disclose the whereabouts of his sister's husband will be the real challenge. <laughs> so what, he getting, sounds smart, but he can't read, get, can he? Get, <laughs> getting through these sentences is the real challenge. It's because I'm trying to... Yeah. Getting him to disclose... Oh, my mouth doesn't work properly. <laughs> Unique... New York. Getting him to disclose the whereabouts of his sister's husband will be the real challenge. Theon said bluntly. The Order will have sworn him to secrecy. With every roadblock, River grew more determined to find a way. You and he go way back, Theo. I'm sure he'd be willing to do you this one favour if you can explain the situation. At this, she thumbed towards Lily. Being referred to as the situation was the first piece of information Lily had really understood. She still couldn't grasp what any of this had to do with her. I expect he will take some convincing, 
but there is no ulterior motive here to dull this perspective of me. Hopefully, he can find trust in his old friend. I would trust you with my life, Theodore Thomas. One look in those wholesome eyes and he will know your heart is good. Theon nodded. Thomases are an honest breed. Our word goes a long way. Very well, then. The path is paved. Theodore rose like a mountain, making the table and chairs appear miniature beside him. The build of such a man seemed formidable to Lily at first, but the longer she stirred, the more his age crept in. His skin was marked and creased like tarnished leather, and his back bent unhealthily like a half-pipe. I'll set off within the hour. If I have luck on my side, then I will be returning with company. So be prepared for interrogations. As he walked, he wallowed, one leg performing better than the other. River rushed to her feet, spreading her arms around her husband's middle, her hands unable to touch behind him. I'll prepare you a hamper of food and clothing. Luckily, I made a fresh batch of bread this morning, so you can take that with you. How many days do you think you'll be gone? Well, that all depends, doesn't it? Theon closed his eyes to calculate. A week's supply will do. Less if you go bareback. Oh, don't be ridiculous, River cried. At his age, he'll damage himself just climbing up on her back. No, I forbid it. You must take the cart, Theo. I couldn't get up there even if I wanted to, love. It's going to have to be by cart. River gave a satisfied nod, allowing herself to cool. Very well, then. You should go fetch your coat and prepare the cart. Theon, feed Tilly for me, please. I'll get started on some high-energy snacks. I can't have my dearest growing weary on his travels. In fact, I'm sure I have some freshly sprouted zap-zap herbs in the garden. I must check. Zap-zap herbs? <laughs> With that, the Tramises dispersed, leaving Lily alone at the table in a haze of confusion. She sensed that whatever was happening was a good thing, somehow, though it failed to make her feel any better. From her chair, she could see Theon in the kitchen, gathering items from the cupboards, a shallow dish and two small sacks of food. He measured the food on a scale, making sure the proportions were equally split. Before she had chance to wonder who or what Tilly was, an explosion of pitter-pattering feet came bounding down the hall. Breakfast, he declared, though there was really no need. Like a bolt of lavender lightning, Tilly charged through the room and into the kitchen. A small beast on hind legs, with a wagging tail and leathery wings that flapped with excitement. What the bloody hell is that? Lily's eyes bulged from their sockets. Is that a dragon? She squeaked. A tiny purple dragon? Tilly scraped at the back of Theon's legs with her small claws. Wait. He warned, but her impatience increased and she began snorting. You've wrote this about our real life. I know, that's, that's Dave, innit? D- you scratch the bottom of my calves waiting for food. Yeah, it's Dave, innit? Sorry. Theon lowered the dish to the ground and she buried her head inside, knocking it from his hands. It smashed to the floor, food scattering everywhere. Theon's fist balled at his sides. He made a noise of infuriation. Would it kill you to wait? Lily gawked as the dragon vacuumed up the mess. She had never seen anything so spectacular before, and though it fascinated her beyond belief, Tilly's presence also cemented dread in her heart. Any suspicion she had about the Tromus's lion had vanished, with the shimmer of a purple wing, leaving behind the plummeting realisation that she was no longer in the world she called home. She was far, far away, lost in infinity. Not even Benji could make this up, she thought, and it pained her deeply to think of his face. This morning he walked without his toys, without his sister. It made her sick to think of the panic she was causing. Absolute glutton. (laughs) Thank you for flying. With glutton airways. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Thanks for listening to Absolute Glutton. Theon announced, 
scowling at the dragon. Lily pushed the image of her brother from her mind. It was too agonising to dwell on. She needed to concentrate on finding a way home, on not shattering into a million helpless pieces. You're taking Theodore on a trip, he told Lily, retrieving the ball that was now polished clean. Tilly locked eyes with Theon and began to tremble. It was apparent by the wag of her tail that the lull of adventure had gotten her excited. Then a low rumbling came from inside her, growing louder the more she shook. Theon bolted to the window, unlatched the wooden frame and pushed open the glass, just in time for Tilly to catapult through the air. With each flap of her wings, she doubled in size. Even as she flew through the window, her proportions changed from Shih Tzu to Great Dane, and then outside she grew larger still, a fearsome beast dominating the skies, bigger than any animal Lily had ever seen on Earth. Lily hung from the window in disbelief, watching Tilly loop through the clouds. Even in her most extravagant dreams, she had never experienced this. Whatever she thought life had in store for her was gone. Uh, three asterisks indicating a change in time or location. Dum dum. I would be happy to help you in the library. Theon fumbled <laughs> with his hands, pushing back the cuticles on his thumbs. It would be useful for you to learn some things. Lily hadn't moved from her seat at the dining table. Her plate was still full. I don't know if I'll be able to concentrate. It will be a distraction, he said, not missing a beat. My father could be gone for days. Sitting here moping isn't going to help anything, is it? <laughs> what is for this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Lily I said re- hop in. <laughs> Lily recoiled. I don't think you should be telling me how to handle my own grief, actually. Theon observed her for a minute. Jaw clenched. This must be hard for you. If you want to make it more bearable, I strongly suggest learning a few things. It will help you to understand our world better. You'll feel less lost, more grounded. Lily watched him, watch her. His eyes darted over every inch, assessing. I suppose, she said eventually. You suppose what? I suppose you're right. He blinked fast. Yes. Yes, I usually am. Come on, then. Theon spun, not waiting to see if she would follow, and marched down a tangle of hallways. Lily plucked the sphere from her pocket. To the library, please. It lit the way. Three more asterisks to indicate a change in time or location. Bing bong. Sitting cross-legged on the floor of the Tromist library, Lily had a dozen books fanned out around her as though she was wearing a skirt of literature. Were it not for the circumstances, she would have loved having a private library at her disposal, but all she could think about was home. And then, a bright, fizzing idea came to her. To escape the clutches of Zephira, Lily realised that she must first immerse herself in it. Only then, from the depths of knowledge, would she be able to find a weak spot that would lead her home. In a world filled with sorcery, teleportation and resizable dragons, she refused to believe that there wasn't a loophole that could get her there, or at the very least deliver a message. Theon had taken it upon himself to adopt the role of teacher, and though she found his presence daunting, Lily was grateful for the help. She didn't need to feel any more alone than she already did. Here is another one about potions, the healing variety. He encircled the skirts, placing the book in the designated pleat. He had whittled an array of books down to the essentials. The first section told of the history of Zephira and its peacekeepers. The second was a collection of true stories to give Lily a broader perspective on the people, the creatures and the land. 
The final section was to do with magic. Where to find it, how to use it, what not to do, which ingredients were required for a particular portion and what the best season was to perform each spell. The massive information glowed up at her but Lily responded to its menace by glowering back, ready to conquer. Theon's eyes flickered over the books. Reading three per 24-hour cycle means you will have these completed in eight days. Okay, she said, swallowing hard. Lily lifted a heavy book into her lap and opened up the cover. Dust rose from the antiquated pages, making her cough. She read the first lines in her head. Sephira is a place of peace. Every living creature, sentient or not, exists together in perfect harmony. It is this unparalleled kinship that has allowed our world to flourish so exquisitely, helped us to become the quintessential Zephyrians that we are today. Balance is as vital as the air that we breathe. To live with respect for one another and pour only kindness into the world, that is the Zephyrian way of life. I don't know what you need me for, she mumbled. Sounds like you got it all figured out. He peered at the words over her shoulder. That was the way Zephyria used to be. Peaceful and harmonious. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Harmonious. Peaceful. Harmonious. Peaceful and harmonious. That was the way Zephyria used to be. Peaceful and harmonious. Not one war or rebellion has ever marked our records until now. Lily glanced up at him. His eyes had darkened. That's why no one saw them coming. No one believed that evil could exist in Zephyria, let alone thrive and contaminate. They grew in power and deadliness. Hidden in plain sight of the peacekeeper's kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Hidden in plain sight of the peacekeeper's kingdom. But by the time we we understood... Why do I sound like David Walton? (laughs) Superb. (laughs) But by the time we understood the severity, it was too late. Superb. (laughs) Hidden in plain sight of the peacekeeper's kingdom. By the time we understood the severity, it was too late. An involuntary shiver passed through her body. Lily was struggling to grasp her role in any of this. Listen, mate, if you think I'm capable of confronting a rebellion, you're in for a big, fat disappointment. Theon shook his head. I'm serious, she fired. I'm not that type of person. I disagree, but it will be Luna's decision. She'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you, if she's got any sense. Theon rubbed down his shirt. Well, there's no point in arguing over it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's no point in arguing over it now. Lily sighed, infuriated. (sighs) You people are impossible. When you envision a saviour, what do you see? Tiny blonde girls with no meat on the bones. It's blatantly obvious that I'm no one's saviour. And when Luna sees me, she's going to tell you to put me back where I came from and to stop wasting her time. I doubt that very much. Well, I don't. Having to defend her weakness was exhausting. Lily sighed again, looking down at the book in her lap. Where did these bad things come from anyway? That thing that attacked me, was that one of them? Theon gave a condescending snort. (laughs) (laughs) What's a condescending snort? (laughs) No. Your attacker wasn't evil. Far from it, actually. Zephyra's only threat comes from the Oriacs. The Oriacs were just like us, once. Us? She repeated, eyebrow quirked. Sorry. He grumbled, startled by his own mistake. Not like you, like the rest of us. Just ordinary Zephyrian men and women. But something inside of them was different. 
They changed, it had rot in their souls, and it spread to their hearts. Eventually, it left behind nothing of the Zephyrian that was there before. What's the beef like? Theon's face turned blank. Sorry, she corrected herself. I mean, what are they doing and why? Their plan is unclear to all but them, and we have very little information on the cult itself. What we do know is that Luna, our peacekeeper, was attacked by the Oriacs. Though to what extent, I cannot say. This, in turn, weakened Solaris, her brother, the secondary peacekeeper. And that is when the Oriac struck. You see, there is a powerful connection between the twins, and the Oriacs knew that attacking one would leave the other vulnerable. <laughs> Should I say that last line again? What happened to them? Lily couldn't deny her intrigue, but only because a part of herself still failed to accept that the story was real. Rather, an elaborate fairy tale, completely separate from her own reality. Anyone unfortunate enough to be present at the time is either dead or missing. The details are undefined. Do you know why they haven't killed them yet? Theon's jaw clenched. The fall of Solaris was an ending he didn't want to consider. I imagine they're trying to. But Solaris is incredibly strong. The war would have been lost years ago if it not for his remarkable strength. The war would have been lost years ago if it... Oh my god. The war would have been lost years ago if it not... (laughs) (laughs) The war would have been lost years ago if not for his remarkable strength. Years? She said incredulously. How many years? There was no need to count. Theon knew the date as if it were his own birthday. It is nearing the end of his 30th year in captivity. With the pass of decades three, he will die, as the prophecy states. Prophecy, she whispered, recalling the mutterings of her attacker. Why has no one tried to stop them? Many have tried. (laughs) (laughs) He said, stopping himself short. Lily shuddered, completing the sentence for him, but none have succeeded. Her next words sounded on shaking lips. And what do I have to do with any of this? Theon's eyes widened. He stuttered, struggling to find the words. Tell me, she demanded. He pressed his hands nervously down his shirt. They say the sorcery which imprisoned Solaris cannot be broken by similar bonds. It has been woven together using fibres of cursed Zephyrian magic. It is immune to anything our planet can offer. He paused. But it is not immune to you. To me? She gawked. But I don't have any magic. You don't need magic. We just need you. Your strength and your thoughts and your blood. He hung on the last word, wondering if it was the right word to use. It wasn't. My blood? Lily screeched, rising to her feet. (laughs) What do you mean, my blood? I will not be some sacrifice for your people. I, I don't even belong here. I shouldn't be here. They undodged, just in time to miss the book being hurled at him. The attack left him ruffled, agitated. Lily, please calm down. Please. You are not a sacrifice. I worded things badly. Please, stop. She held fire, a book of spells poised in her hand, eyes peeled wide like a trapped animal. Panic had left her breathless, and without her inhalers she was in no state to fight anyone. Lily slumped to the floor, defeated. Chapatashavana. After a long silence, Theon moved in closer. Hating me and ruining books isn't going to get you anywhere. Not that I expect you to be thinking logically right now, given everything that's happened. How kind of you to understand, her sarcasm sparked. 
I just want you to know that I would try to be your voice of reason if you're feeling overwhelmed or conflicted. All I want to do is help. Honestly, I'm honoured to have the opportunity to put my mind to good use. Lily didn't know what to think. She had always been suspicious of people, never really allowing anyone close enough to earn her trust. But the look on Theon's face seemed frank. She could see no ulterior motive behind the blue of his eyes. Suddenly, her actions felt unreasonable. Idiotic, even. I'm sorry for throwing a book at you. I'm sorry for making you think we wanted to sacrifice you, he said. If you knew of our family, you would know how ridiculous that sounded. I guess you will find out for yourself in time. I don't want to be here long enough to find that out. I just want to go home. My mum. She trailed off, unable to speak. Again, I'm sorry. He offered, then continued staring, blinking, unsure of how to follow up. She smiled, small and hollow, reminding herself that this was not his fault. The best thing to do now is carry on reading. Carry on learning. It will keep your mind occupied. There is no use dwelling on things that can't be changed. Lily nodded. You're right. Instead of bulleting the next book across the room, she opened it up. She knew deep down that throwing away knowledge wouldn't get her anywhere. Learning from it was going to be her only weapon in the lonely, arduous battle ahead. She flicked through the pages that were golden with age. Books don't smell the same here, she added, sadly. Everything's different. Flitting through the incantations and potion recipes. By the way, this was such asterisk. This was such an escapism for me. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> I was staying, at the time I was staying with a man, a woman and their kid. Yeah. Sleeping on their couch. Um, waiting for my mum and brother to come back and they didn't for yeah. three years. It's not all li- literal, but yeah. um, it is influenced by real life. Flitting through the incantations and portion recipes, she found many enthralling things but paid them no attention. Lily was on the hunt for only one spell and when she failed to find it in one book, she reached for the next. What are you searching for? Theon asked, looking between her and the discarded book. You didn't even skim read that one. You can't possibly have taken it all in. Nothing, she said, unable to look him in the eyes. It doesn't look like nothing. Maybe I could help you find it. Her fingers flowed along the contents page of another book. She had a vague idea of what to look for, but no clue as to where it might be hiding. And then she discovered something that made her heart skip a beat. Spells to do with travelling, pages 102 to 118. Lily turned to the page, forgetting that Theon was still watching. It's not, she repeated, lifting the butt towards her chest to block his view. Would it be cheeky to ask for a glass of water, please? He shook to attention. No, not at all. Sorry, I should have asked you earlier. Would you like anything else? No, no, thank you. Theon left the room and Lily rushed through the numbers looking for something relevant. One of the incantations was for creating your own sphere, like the one she had used to guide her around the Tromis household. Others were to help with communication and worn-out legs. Lily's hope simmered low. She was about to seal the book shut when a particular word caught her eye. Transplanatorium? Intrigued, she scanned through the description. A highly complex and dangerous spell which gives the ability to jump between worlds. At last, her heart pounded with optimism, not dread. 
Lily looked quickly over the rest of the page, amazed that such an immense, life-altering article could be condensed into a few words. There was something she didn't understand, like triangulum portion and sarcophagus residue, but she intended to find out. Lily ran her fingernail along the inside of the page, scoring it so it turned away easily, and folded it up small inside the coin pocket of her denim shorts. Her brain frothed with excitement, daring to think that she had found her map home. When Theon returned, dishonesty shot through her, but the inferno of hope inside outweighed the guilt. Thank you, she said, taking the drink from him. My pleasure. Read anything interesting? Lily decided to make her move. Just a load of words I don't understand. Like what? Like a triangulum. Ah. He said, falling for her trap. That is when a potion requires a combination of three ingredients, usually expensive ones. Oh, I see. She read a few more pages, asking irrelevant questions along the way so that he wouldn't be able to piece her tactics together. And then, unable to contain her curiosity any longer, she asked, Sarcophagus residue? What is that? Theon's face split with laughter. <laughs> what? <laughs> she murmured, fearing her plans had been rumbled. They called it slime when my parents were younger. Slime? Yes. Slime is the excretions of an amphibian, known commonly as a swampy. It is used as a relaxant and hallucinogenic. It makes you feel like you're flying. But what am I telling you this for? You've already experienced it firsthand. Like the popping of a balloon, Lily understood the reason behind his laughter. So the thing that attacked me, that was a, a swampy. <laughs> and the stuff that I swallowed, that was its, it, it, that, that was its slime, its excretions. Her toes curled at the memory. That's vile! Asterisks like on um, one of mine and Dean's like probably our second date. We we found a one a one p on the grass path, and we was like, are the one p's of Graspeth? The one p's of Graspeth. And so yes, one p's. One p's. About the sarcophagus. And also the sarcophagus. When we one of our early dates, I was a there was a, a sarcophagus in the museum, and I red sarcophagus and because i knew it in my head as something i went to doing ah sarcophagus yeah the great sarcophagus ah, here. <laughs> I, I, I you've added the great but i, I, I was like ah sarcophagus am i right and dame was like sarcophagus yeah <laughs> and i was like that's uh, what i meant let's go <laughs> <laughs> you like fish yeah um <laughs> yeah, so the one piece of graspeth um turned into swamp peas and sarcophagus is the uh, the scientific name for a swamp pea, isn't it? Yeah. I know Theon roared with laughter. You swallowed unsterilized sarcophagus slime. Disgusting. Lily's cheeks flushed red. Seventy percent anger, thirty percent embarrassment. It's not like I was given a choice, remember? He wiped a tear from the corner of his eye, allowing himself to steady. I know, I know, but it's still amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Not for everyone, she added between snarls. I'm only jealous that you got to try it. It's supposed to quiet your mind, and my mind is very loud. Before now, it was widely used. I'm part of the generation that was born too late. When the Oriacs began to devastate the world, they took it upon themselves to cull the entire Saragophagus civilization. They knew that the only portal between worlds came from them, and they weren't about to risk a threat to their magic coming through. 
They wiped them out. They've been considered extinct for decades now, but apparently some got away. He grinned, as though mystified by the look of it. It's a miracle that one got to you. More of a case than a miracle, really. But don't you see? His eyes bulged with enthusiasm. That's why you have to be the one. That Swampy has been looking for the right person for almost three decades. They could have chosen others, but they didn't. They chose you. This pained Lily to hear. She could have narrowly escaped with her life, but she didn't. They've spent 29 years looking for the one, looking for you. That's why I have faith in you, even if you don't. I, I, I don't know what they could have possibly seen me do. At home, Lily was unable to defend the one she loved. At school, she was tormented. She was a loner and a coward, and anyone who observed her for long enough would realise that too. Lily couldn't understand why she had even been considered for the role, let alone chosen. Clearly a leader itching for battle. Theon shook his head stiffly. Hopefully, Luna will enlighten us. So, what are the chances of finding another one of these swampies then? His answer came like a bullet to the head. Non-existent. Lily scrunched her eyes shut, holding all the motion at bay. Her escapade was over before it had even begun. Not allowing herself to give up completely, she pushed Plan A aside and grabbed at the next book. She had barely rolled a stone in the mountain of knowledge. There was bound to be another way home. I just have to find it. I'm sorry. He said again, and remorse flooded her. His kindness made her feel like a terrible person. I'm sorry too. I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. I have a feeling that you don't yet know the things you're capable of. Inwardly, she screamed. Lily knew better than anyone that there was nothing left to discover. That she was herself, through and through. Nothing but layers of delicate petals and a stem that was easily broken. Emo. <laughs> Maybe. He suggested, searching her sadness for an idea. You should focus on a different type of book for now. Something from the story section. Why does it matter? They're easier to read, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> he said simply. You'll still be learning, but it will be less strenuous. Lily I don't sh- know why it sounds like C-3PO now. <laughs> <laughs> Lily shrugged, deflated, propped up only by her skeletal frame. Her head was clogged and a storybook sounded soothing. Something easier would be nice, she admitted. May I make a recommendation? She nodded and Theon began searching the shelves. A story that takes your mind off your own problems would be helpful. I'm going to need more than a story for that. He plucked out a thick book with a blue marbled cover. You must look after yourself. Don't pollute your brain with too much information at once. He handed the book to Lily. Read this for your next one. The pages are made from vision leaf, so you can watch the stories instead. Thanks, she said, clutching the book to her chest. I'll read it tonight before bed. I think I prefer to keep on reading these books for now, before my mind turns to mush. Oh, okay. His voice rose in surprise. You're hardworking. That's good. The saviour must be hardworking. He pushed on before Lily had a chance to object. The Zephyrian map would be a good place to go from here. Theon opened a book to its middle parting. The pages unfolded until all the other books were swept beneath a giant paper rug. Lily studied the great splodges of land, stretched wide across a vast blue ocean. It looked very similar to the maps of Earth. Only the land ships were different and there were less divides. This big section here. His finger encircled the map. Is Andorra. 
the mainland. All the little islands surrounding it, they're classed as Andorra too. It was marked with masses of lakes and woodlands, the top quarter housing a huge mountain range, which the land wore as a crown. To the north is Giratus, Zephyra's largest and only frozen region. He continued. The temperatures there are almost inhospitable. It's scarcely populated for the size of it. Here, to the east, is Statira, the smallest region of Zephyra, but also the greatest mining district. The land is rich with copper and iron. The land is rich with copper and iron mostly, but they have wealthy gold reserves too. Down towards the south, we have Sedina, and that includes all of these offshore islands. And then last of all, we have Capello. Theon traced around a small splat of green set in the western sea. The second smallest region of Sephira. Okay, Lily said, taking it all in. I do feel a bit more rooted now. I know where I'm stood, kind of. Good. If you want to know specifically where you're stood, then it's right here. Theon dotted the location in the northwest of Capello. Where are the Oriacs? She couldn't help but ask. Theon tapped the tip of Andorra in the mountain range. This is Mount Morganite. It's where the peacekeepers have lived for generations. Since the Great Flood, peacekeepers carved a home for themselves out of the rock, turning a hollowed-out mountain into a palace. But I imagine the beauty has faded since the Oriacs took over. How could they just take over the palace? Weren't there any guards or anything? Or an army? There has never been an army in Zephyra before. We have never required the need. The peacekeepers had advisors, that was all. There are, or were, only four of them, and they were called the Order. My father has gone to find one of them, to see if they can help. Oh, right. Peering at the map, Lily wondered where Theodore might be at this moment in time, and if her existence had led him into danger. And do you know how far away from Earth we are? Theon pursed his lips and shook his head. Incalculable. Of course it is. Her eyes rolled. Is there any way I can get a message back to me, Mum, do you think? Just just to let her know I'm all right. Not that I've ever learnt of, but I'm no master of the subject. My expertise lies in clockmaking, same as my father. Luna may know of a way. Hopefully, you can ask her soon. Lily sat through the rest of her lessons quietly, focusing all her brain power into storing valuable information. Eventually, feeling fit to burst, she stopped. That's enough, she said, rising to her feet with the blue marble book tucked under her heart. Harms <laughs> with the blue with the blue marbled book tucked under her arm. You've taken in more than I thought was possible. Theon yawned. Shall I show you to your room? Lily plucked out the translucent ball from her pocket. I've got a sphere, but thanks. She bid Theon good night and left the library. Out in the hall, Lily tried her chances and with a hushed voice asked the sphere to guide her home. It remained stagnant in her hands. So she tried Earth, England and Liverpool, but nothing worked. With a defeated sigh, she asked for directions to her room and the ball pulsed to life. Lily climbed into bed, book in tow, and peeled back the cover. It groaned like bones cracking after a long-awaited stretch. On the first page, a bubbling light danced over the old handwritten paper, creating a strange juxtaposition between the ancient and the futuristic. The light came to settle like a flame above the page, and as her eyes traced the first sentence, images from the depths of her mind were conjured up in front of her. Vision leaf, she gasped, enjoying her own private cinema. Long ago, in the valley of Helm, there lived a tired soul. His eyes were swollen from lack of sleep, 
His hair was growing thin, and what little food there was to eat he couldn't keep it in. There was no description of the man's hair, so Lily flicked through the options in her mind, watching the styles materialise before settling on lengthy ginger dreadlocks. Dalton's heart weighed heavy, a secret ached his bones. He longed to confide in someone, but instead remained alone. His wife would not understand, his mother would be ashamed, his children would be taken, and he would be to blame. To pay for drink, he sold a ring and all the memories it carried, worn by his grandmother day after day since the time his grandparents married. And worse than this, when discovered missing, Dalton had cruelly replied that he saw a boy from a village nearby, lurking at the window outside. The boy was seized, searched and slapped by his mother on the thigh. Dalton watched on, wincing in shame as the boy began to cry. The villagers named him a thief. He was embarrassed to come out by day, until at last he'd had enough and the boy then ran away. Dalton carried the guilt for as long as he could stand. He needed guidance, he needed help from the tree of an ancient land, said to whisper revelations of the most important kind, leading battles to victory or soothing a weary mind. Long since lost from records and maps, the tales were considered false, but Dalton kept going on and on because he didn't have a choice. His hope had wavered, his strength had dwindled, his stomach growled with hunger, and soon defeat would prevent him from going on much longer. And then there came without warning, a tree that burst into flame. Tongues of red licked up at the sky, and the fire oak whispered his name. Dalton cowered at first, then realised what he had found. And when tears of joy came bursting free, he slumped with relief to the ground. The wise old oak gave him counsel, but instead of obeying its song, Dalton rose up with rage and defiance, declaring the tree as wrong. He would not tell the truth to his family. He would not own up to his flaws. He would continue to carry the burden and ignore all moral laws. But when he returned from his journey... What he found in place of his home was a mound of embers and ash and a wife who could not be consoled. Dalton's world had set alight, his possessions turned into smoke, leaving him to learn one vital thing, never disobey a fire oak. Should I go find one of them fire oaks, innit? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, I'd be looking for one of them, me. Okay, so that was end of chapter seven. Nice. Beginning of chapter eight. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, kind of know what happens. I'm, there's bits I'm looking forward to though. Mm. To like going through again, and I think it might be coming up soon. One of the first bits. Tell me what it is, and I'll just like seeing Luna and like the, oh yeah, the working the memories. One of my favorite like bits to come is when it switches um, to first person. Mm. I can't remember that. Let's find out. Okay. It's not good though. Uh, <laughs> chapter 8. The next morning, Lily nudged open the kitchen door, a throbbing head in one hand and a sphere in the other. Slumber sniff? 
Leanne asked. She nodded and pain sliced through her skull. I couldn't sleep. I gathered this much. He eyed one of the three clocks on the wall behind her head. You must have been awake gone for. She took a seat at the table, considering her reply. Four o'clock seemed right. Something about the night made things seem so much worse. Even as she watched the unfamiliar stars from her window, seeing how many chances of life were out there, she still felt alone and utterly lost. She knew that back at home, Benji would be gazing into the galaxies in search of his sister, looking but never finding. It's hard to sleep at the minute. Yes, I agree with that. Theon stood, turning towards the kitchen. My mother made you a remedy this morning when you failed to show up for breakfast. He returned with a glass of fizzing liquid. There's some lunch for you too, besides the stove. Lily gulped back the drink gratefully, and after a minute or two the pain was gone. Thank God for this stuff. Do you mean River? Yeah, sorry. She makes the remedy herself from the garden. Lily's thoughts redirected to her own mother, who had dreams of creating a vegetable patch in their tiny concrete yard somehow, and her heart ached. She'd forgotten what it felt like to not be on the verge of throwing up. Ah, you're awake at last, River sung, entering from yet another hallway. Morning, Lily offered, unenthusiastically. Lily was just complimenting your remedy. Oh, well, isn't that nice? Thank you, dear. It's my great-great-great-grandmother's recipe, would you believe? Passed down through the generations is the best headache cure in all of Zephyra, and I'd bet a good few tokens on that. River plonked a woven basket down onto the table. These are for you, dear. I hope they'll suffice. Lily's eyes wandered over the contents of the basket. What's that? Clothes! I've been up since the break of dawn trying to fashion some things out of spare cloth and my old dresses that just don't fit like they used to. They've held together better than I have, she chuckled softly. <laughs> oh, you didn't need to do that. Nonsense, she said. We can't have you living in that one outfit for the rest of your stay. It'll be ready to sprout legs and walk away of its own accord in a few more days, she laughed off the concept. <laughs> but Lily thought that vagabond clothing didn't seem too ridiculous given everything else that had happened. And anyway, that strange outfit of yours would give you away in a heartbeat. We don't want that, no, no. River shook her head, dislodging the thought. Why don't you go try them on for size once you've eaten your meal? Thank you, River. I I don't know what to say. Well, you might not like them yet, so don't say anything until you've tried them. She brought out Lily's breakfast, then left to fill up a watering can, humming loudly from the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Lily sniffed at the food. It smelled fragrant, palatable. But all she could manage to do was push the colourful arrangement around the plate. Do you eat things with your eyes where you come from? She guessed this was Theon's try at a joke, though his face remained serious. No. I just don't feel like eating. You have to eat. It tastes good. I'm sure it does, but... Have one mouthful, at least. Lily filled her fork and placed it on her tongue. Peppery leaves in a zesty dressing flooded her taste buds, but the minute she swallowed, her stomach threatened to regurgitate. I can't eat anymore, I'll be sick. Sickness is a common side effect of passing between worlds, though it should have worn off by now. Did you vomit much when you landed? No, I wasn't sick at all. Not at first. Strange. He concluded. Well, if you can't eat, you may as well go and try on your clothes. Yeah, I suppose.
Lily made her way to the bedroom and tried on the items. The beauty of each garment made her feel like a stranger in the dresser mirror, emphasising her sallow skin and unkempt hair. She looked straggly and homeless. And in a way, she was. Because I was. Yeah, because I was staying in somebody else's <laughs> and house. And I was straggly and homeless. Yeah. Um, River was a faultless seamstress with a glorious eye for detail. It was impossible to tell where the old cloth ended and the new dress began. Lily picked out a delicately crocheted top and long flowing skirt embroidered with flowers. Against the backdrop of the bedroom furniture, she felt foolishly similar to a woodland fairy. Claiming a drawer for herself, Lily folded away the rest of the clothes and made her way back to the kitchen. Oh, goodness gracious me, River announced as Lily stepped into view. You look positively mesmerising, my dear, like a true Zephyrian. Don't you look lovely, Theon? Yes. He said quickly. <laughs> Lily wilted, blushing crimson. Saviour or not, she was still apprentice level in the art of being centre of attention. You've done amazing, River. You fit perfectly. Oh, you're too kind, dear. I used to make clothes for the theatre, you know. Good to know I haven't lost my flair since retirement. If there's any way I can repay you for them, just let me know. Trust me, dearie. A few scraps of clothes are the least you deserve. Lily sank into a chair, noticing that one of the legs had been replaced by a stack of books. In the quirky Trammers household, it seemed almost meant to be. Have you heard anything from Theodore? Not yet. But no news is better than bad news, I think. As positive as River aimed to be, worry still tugged at either end of her mouth. He isn't leaving, Capello. That lessens the danger. As long as he finds cover at night, he'll be fine. Don't forget, he has Tilly with him. I know, I know, she sighed. I just hope the other Atlas brother isn't too far away. If he has any sense, he'll have fled and daughter with the rest of them. Lily wriggled in her seat, suppressing the thought of being forced into the battlefields of Andorra. I can't wait to have him back, River pined. She glanced at Lily, reaching for a hand across the table. I'm sorry, I know I have no right to speak about missing loved ones in front of you. She gave her fingers an affectionate squeeze and pulled away. Lily simply shrugged, because it was all she could do. Three asterisks, indicating a a change in time and place. Lily continued to search the Tromis library, convinced that this was a prison she could escape from if she tried hard enough. But disappointment after disappointment led to an unwavering conclusion. And on the fifth day, when again she failed to find anything, her mind stepped off a ledge, free-falling into darkness. She had spent her entire life coexisting with misery, and up until now, it had never gotten better. Things had only ever gotten worse. This understanding came crashing down on her without mercy. She had come to face a harrowing truth. Not only was she likely to die on this forsaken planet, but she would never see her family again. Dear, won't you try and eat something? You'll waste away and I can't possibly allow that, not under my roof. River's eyes had dulled completely. I've blended this one into a soup so you can drink it instead. Lily tried her best to drink the food. This time it managed to stare down. Good, River smiled, emptily. How about I run you a nice warm bath? No, thank you. Lily couldn't be bothered lifting her head up from the pillow. A bath would probably drown her. Okay, dear, 
Can I get you anything else? Anything at all? When no answer came, River shuffled to the door, sighed and disappeared down the hall. Each time they left her, she sobbed. It hurt to be alone, but she couldn't handle the company either. She needed her mother, her brother, and that was all. Theon cleared his throat at the door. She didn't bother to look up, but managed to stop crying and dried her eyes with the bedsheets. May I come in? It's your house. Theon entered and stood silently in the middle of the floor for a full minute before speaking. Uh, I don't... It's it's difficult to see you this way, Lily. He rubbed his temples, pulling his eyebrows together furiously. Uh, uh, I've been looking for a way to fix things, but I can't seem to find anything. And I don't know what to do now. Lily noticed that he looked sicklier than when she first arrived, like her presence had left him diseased. You can't fix things, remember. You're just a clockmaker. I know that, he said, moving intrusively closer to the bed. She rolled away slightly onto her back. What are you doing? You smell bad, he said, then bent at the hips to offer her a hug. Lily lay very still, startled by the embrace, which was both rigid and awkward, but unexpectedly comforting. She had needed a hug for some time now, she realised. Theon pulled away and stood to observe her like a science experiment. Better? She stared up at him, baffled. I don't know about better, but it was nice, thank you. Well, that's something, I suppose. I don't give many of those. Their eyes darted around one another, searching for something to say. I'm sorry you haven't heard back from your dad. Lily offered to fill the silence. I'm sure he'll be fine. He swatted the air mechanically. I'm sorry that you're here, instead of home. I wish I could make your time here more bearable. I wonder, would it help to extract your memories of them? Your family, I mean. What? Lily barked. Are you mad? My memories and Benji's toys are all I have left of them. He stepped back in alarm. Oh, sorry. It was just a suggestion. To help you feel better. Well, thanks, but no thanks. I need those. Okay, he said, coming closer again to pluck up a fallen hair from her pillow. May I? Her eyes narrowed. What? Why? I would like to make you a gift with it. With me, eh? Yes. Hopefully it'll make you feel better. Taking her silence and look of bewilderment as approval, Theon smiled and left the room. On the 18th day, Lily woke in another of the Thomas's sitting rooms. She had fallen asleep on a hefty brown settee, pointed at a crackling fire. Beside the hearth was an empty cushioned basket, patiently awaiting Tilly's return. How are you feeling? Theon asked, making her jump. He had been checking up on her relentlessly over the past two weeks, encouraging her to eat and drink, walk around and catch a breeze at the window. Bad, she answered honestly. Well, that's better than yesterday's really bad. River could be heard scuttering the halls. Every creak of wood and ticking clock seemed to boom in the quiet labyrinth. With Tilly and Theodore gone, the Trummers household was undeniably bleaker, much to River's dismay, who had tried to brighten the place up with an extra potted plant in every room. Suddenly a loud thud came, followed by scurrying, a shriek of delight from River. The unmistakable echo of Theodore's voice hurtled down the corridor. Lily bolted upright, feeling something other than misery for the first time in 13 days. Then she heard the voice of a newcomer, 
a harsh, hostile voice, Lily thought. She pulled the blanket off herself and moved to the edge of the settee. Food spillages stained her old T-shirt, the same T-shirt she had refused to change out of on the fifth day of Theodore's absence. Her hair was a bird's nest of neglect, and as Theon had told her multiple times now, she wasn't smelling her best. But people were coming to see her, and there was no time left to do anything about it. A shadow fell over the doorway. Lily fidgeted, eyes darting, not knowing what to expect. Here she is, Theodore announced, stepping aside to reveal an unfamiliar face. He was monstrously big, just like Theodore, only his face lacked any trace of kindness. This is it, he said, examining Lily with a stir sharp enough to cut glass. Theon sat quietly, observing the stranger with a scowl on his face. River and Tilly entered straight afterwards, much to Lily's relief. The newcomer's presence was intimidating, and she needed all the Tromus's present to dilute the tension. Tilly came over to nuzzle against her legs in greeting, before retiring to her basket for a long-awaited rest. River took a seat beside Lily on the settee, offering her a hand to hold. This is she, she corrected the giant, and Lily, this is Alcor. I will introduce myself if I may, he said. River turned to Lily, rolling her eyes. My name's Alcor Atlas. He began with an air of arrogance. Before our kingdom fell beyond all recognition, I was a member of the Order, and it was my duty to protect Zephyra and provide counsel to the peacekeepers of our great land. <laughs> can't say it. Though my title has shattered with the overthrowing of Mount Morganite, my allegiances lie and will always lie, with the peacekeepers. If you're an enemy of theirs, you're an enemy of mine. The girl... Fuck me. <laughs> the girl... The, the, the girl is good of heart. The girl is good of heart. Theodore said. There's no need to be wary of her. There's every fucking need... There's every need to be... There's every need to be wary. Alcohol lashed, never taking his eyes off her. What is your name? Lily Luther, she answered, struggling to look up. And from where have you travelled? Eighth. Region? Liverpool, England. How did you arrive here? Swampy, she fired, her lip curling. Alcor paused. The Saragophagus sent you here? To this house? No, I, I woke up in a field and I just walked because I didn't know what else to do. And this was the first house that I found. Alcor was impossible to read, his expression carved from stone. He stood firm with his arms across his chest, examining. Give me your end, he ordered. She did as he asked, not wanting to anger such a humongous man. Alcor pulled a metallic lump of rock from the pocket of his trousers and pressed it against the tip of Lily's finger. A blood magnet, Thea marvelled. When Alcor removed the rock, Lily's skin was just as pale as before. Their blood is not of our kind, Alcor confirmed. I'm inclined to believe that her tales are true. So, she is the chosen one, River buzzed. Instead of answering right away, Alcor took a moment, looking Lily up and down with disdain. She must be the one, for there are no others to take her place. There's fucking Michael Gaines here now. For there are no others to take her place. But to speak truthfully, I am severely displeased with the choice of the Saragophagus. Is Earth a planet of imps? Alcor! River shrilled. 
There's no need for such rude remarks. His intimidating stir cut deeper. I only state the obvious. Those half-wit swamp dwellers have sent a child to protect Zephira against the greatest abomination it's ever known. This is a more tactful approach. They unsuggested. The Oriacs will not expect a young girl to bring down their rain. They'll be blindsided because a young girl cannot bring down their rain. Lily couldn't quite believe they were talking about her. A lonely bookworm with no experience of battles, no special skill set of any kind. But the mention of her name brought her crashing down to reality. They were talking about her. She was involved in this. Theon's nostrils flared. You can't just draw conclusions without experimentation. We must find out what she is capable of. Uh, Lily is our last hope, Alco. Theodore eyed her sympathetically. You cannot wait round for another alien to drop out of the sky. Not with Solaris's health deteriorating. She needs immediate preparation. Alco stood silently, then gave a sullen nod. I'm afraid you're right, Thomas. I will take her to Luna tomorrow morning. Expect my return at 700 hours. Have her washed and presentable, in clothing of our kind. We must come too, River said. She needs a mother figure with her. Some warrior. Alco scoffed. I'll be ready tomorrow morning, Lily announced. Seven o'clock. Good. Then my work here is done. Alco turned quickly, showing surprising agility for his size. I must go now to Luna and prepare her for your visit. All who wish to attend must be ready to depart at 700 hours. A moment later and you'll be left behind. Tilly won't be happy about that. Theon said, eyeballing the snoring lump. The location can be reached on foot. There is no need to bring the beast. The Tromises gawped together, showing a striking family resemblance. What? Theodore spluttered. You mean she's here, in Capello? Theon added. Luna has been hiding since the fall of Mount Morganite. Yes. He continued. But Capello? Nothing exciting ever happens here. Indeed. That's why it was chosen. Capello has always been a sleepy place of little drama, but no longer, it would seem. The Tromises showed a look of bewilderment. Their peacekeeper had been within touching distance this whole time. They could have passed her on the road without ever knowing. Giddiness swelled on their faces. Apprehension mounted on Lily's. Tomorrow she would meet the ruler of this forsaken planet. Tomorrow she would finally have answers. Tomorrow, tomorrow, peacekeepers, tomorrow. Thanks for being here if you've made it this far. Chapter 9 The dawn couldn't come soon enough for Lily. Though she was weak, she was eager. Weeks of anticipation had left her in a state of exhaustion, helping her to sleep without the use of slumber sniff, finally. When she woke, her head felt the clearest it had in a long time. The cool shower shocked her dulled senses to life. For this meeting, she needed to feel alert and refreshed. And when she was clean and dressed in her handmade Zephyrian clothing, Lily felt much more rational-minded, as though the spice, spicy water, as though the icy water had washed away a smudge of her helplessness. Today she had opted for a long beige dress with crocheted detailing around the waist, cuffs and collar. Lily chose this dress for two reasons. Firstly, the length was long enough to hide her converse, which she had been told were too alien-like to be Zephyrian made. And secondly, there were two small pockets hidden along the side seams, the perfect size to house two toy cars, a red and a blue. They helped her to cope 
The same way ropes in Caribbean has helped mountaineers up the steepest of slopes. What the bloody hell is a Caribbean? One of them metal things. Like a, a crampon. What? Crampon. What they called? Caribbean. Mm. You, do you know what I mean? Like you, you push the the lever back on them, like the oh, like on the rope. Yeah, like, yeah metal yeah, yeah. thing. <clears throat> the little. I mean, that's the rope feed through or whatever. Um, it know. hooks stuff. Are we talking about mountaineer and stuff? I don't know because it's metaphorical. My ADD won't let me be. <laughs> At seven hundred hours, Lily and the Thomases stepped outside, where Alcor awaited with a look of disinterest. Clearly, he was less than enthusiastic about delivering Lily to the peacekeeper as the proposed saviour of their world. She couldn't blame him. This gave her hope that Luna might think similarly. She was, after all, just a teenager who should have been solving algebraic equations, not facing otherworldly wars. Lily longed to hear the peacekeeper make a similar statement and offer her a way out of this mess. Alcor's voice boomed from his giant lungs. Let the walking commence. <laughs> I don't know what people sound like anymore. <laughs> <sighs> they followed his long strides down a dirt path, which unwound like an endless piece of thread over the hills. Lily's legs quaked at the sight, too feeble for such a battle. The air was cold and invigorating, filled with something that seemed to rid Lily of her asthma. A short time later, there came a rumbling which shed the birds from the trees. Everyone halted. Even the formidable Alcor was struck with alarm, grabbing at the handle of his dagger. But soon the source of the commotion became clear, making him hiss through his teeth. Keep your pet under control, Trumis. He barked to Theodore, then spun on his heels. A mass of shimmering purple scales throttled towards them, raising dust and stone from the ground with every humongous step. Behind her trailed a cart, which looked as tiny and unstable as a matchbox. Oh, for goodness sake, Theo, River mourned. I told you to hide the damn cart. I did. He fired back. In the barn pocket. I even locked the door shut. I don't want to... Yeah, that's kind of what his voice was, wasn't it? Can't remember. Yeah, a bit fatty, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> she huffed, shielding her eyes from the enormous problem heading their way. I knew she'd do this. I just knew it. Theon was the only one to find any amusement in it. She never listens. You should know this by now. Just keep walking. Alcor commanded. The beast will grow tired and leave us be. Theodore and River eyed one another doubtfully. That's optimistic of you, said Theon, <laughs> warranting no response from Alcor. I don't know how it's going to sound when it comes out my mouth and it shocks me every time. <laughs> if you listen to this back, I say something and go. <laughs> like <I> said, <laughs> Sorry, go on. Why don't we just take the cart? Lily whispered to him. Granted, it didn't look like the safest mode of transportation in the world, but the road ahead was breathtakingly long for a set of legs that had only gone between bed and settee for some time now. The cart isn't the problem, he answered. Trust me, you're better off walking. Didn't Theodore just travel this way? He nodded. Yes, and he deserves a bucket full of tokens for it. If we'd shrunken him down, put him in a jar and shook him up for the same duration, he would have been better off. Tilly closed the distance and trotted along beside the five of them, crying out in well-like drones when her arrival was met with ignorance. She looked repeatedly to the Tromises, Theon especially, and then to the horizon ahead, first in confusion and then frustration. To feel invisible was a sensation that no enormous, leather-winged, razor-clawed beast liked to endure, and she did not take to it lightly. In a torrent of fury, Tilly lunged to the front of the path and stretched across it, creating a mound of defiance. 
Alcor's fists balled at his side. He knew his plan was flawed, that he couldn't possibly have the last word with an animal so gigantic, but his pride wouldn't allow him to comply. This beast's been spoiled rotten. She has no respect. His rage was met by hers. Only Tilly's drowned him out like a gnat in the sea. Go around, he ordered, striving to ignore the daggers being hurled at him from an eyeball the size of his own head. It's not going to work, River whispered melodically. Lily had a feeling they'd tried this before, a million times or more. The game repeated a further three times, Tilly blocking their way, forcing the five of them to step around, until finally it ended with a livid stomp in the dirt from Alcor as he admitted defeat. What an insolent creature you are. We will never reach Luna at this rate. If we must board the cart, then so be it. Tilly gave a satisfied grunt as the five retreated behind her. They clambered into the rickety vessel and it groaned beneath the weight of two giants and the rest. The only way for the five of them to fit was by strategically balancing along the edges with their legs pulled together in the centre. Lily's knuckles turned white as she braced herself. At least the weight will keep us steady, River said, in search of silver linings. And we'll arrive that bit sooner. Alcor was thoroughly irritated. His brows pulled down so far that they shaded his eyes in a sinister way. Go easy now, girl. Theodore bellowed. <laughs> Tilly rolled into motion. Oh, I'm having flashbacks. He grimaced. I'd hope there'd be a longer rest period between my arrival home and the following journey. I'm sorry, dearest. But this one shouldn't take as long, at least. Tilly's wings outstretched, gave one almighty flap, and the cart lifted momentarily from the ground. We're going up! Lily cried. Another flap, and they lifted again. I thought she was going to tow us. I need to get out. I can't go up. There's no seatbelts! Too late now. They unbellowed, and Lily's stomach dropped. They were up in the air, yanked through the sky by a flapping purple beast. The cart swayed violently in Tilly's wake, dropping and rising. Lily did everything she could to keep from vomiting. Deep breaths, eyes closed, her muscles were rigid as she clung on for dear life. Up and down with each fold of the wings. Up and down, weightless then heavy, fine then dizzy, tolerable then sick. Growing accustomed to the motion, Lily peered up at the sun through her dishevelled tresses, searching for a distraction from the turmoil. The colours of the freshly broken dawn reminded her of home. But when she tried to pretend that she was back beneath a familiar sky, it didn't work, not even for a second. Her imagination could only stretch so far, and being hauled through the sky by a colossal purple dragon was one of those things she couldn't overlook. Capello passed below them like a patchwork blanket of greenery, embellished with small houses, lakes and a rocky trim. Soon after, a thick wooden wall came into view, holding a cluster of colourful tents and old stone buildings inside. Much to the relief of everyone on board, Tilly began her descent. They landed with a punch, and when the cartwheels reached their final turn, the five hauled themselves out of the wooden bucket like captured fish, fleeing back into a familiar pond. The stable ground felt so foreign underfoot, and Lily had to stop herself from kneeling down to kiss it. Sorry about that, River attempted to smooth down her wildly frizzing hair. She only wants to help. She thinks she's doing more right than wrong. Alcor's nose pointed up and away in snobbery as he straightened his coat. Let's just get on with things, shall we? Theon unlatched the reins that Tilly had managed to squeeze herself into and pulled the cart to the side of the road with surprising strength. 
Tilly plodded on ahead, content, shrinking with every step now that her brutishness was no longer needed. Her destination was a small watering hole, surrounded by more otherworldly creatures who had gathered to laze beneath the newly hatched sun. Lily marvelled at the sight. There was a horse with three horns protruding from the space between its eyes. An animal of hippopotamus proportions, only with tiger-striped fur instead of tough wet skin. She wanted to stay and go, but her schedule was already too full. They approached a large wooden gate. There were scents of flowers and sweet pastry, loud bustling noises. Across the wood was a neatly carved scripture which read, Enter here with thoughts of good, with hearts of kind, like nice folk should. Bring only love and take your hate and leave it here besides this gate. Lily wasn't sure whether the writing was a quaint piece of advice or an enchantment, but she liked it all the same. Alco pushed open the gates of Capello Market and a flurry of colours erupted before them. It was frightening and mesmerising in equal measure. Part of Lily wanted to explore, touch and taste the things she had never seen before, but the fear of being spoken to stopped her from straying too far. Her thick accent was bound to raise alarm bells. Lily stayed close. Like anywhere Scousers go. Yeah, around like, <laughs> shut your stones. Yeah, <laughs> Lily stayed close behind Theodore, with River and Theon at her back, as she waded through a world of unfamiliarity. There were swarms of people, some selling goods, some buying, others browsing. She noticed that some faces were kind, some tired or full of boredom, others were even callous. They looked like the faces of home, she thought and wished with every blink that her eyes would open to the sight of the Albert docks. So the antique ships sat gallantly in the bay with seagulls resting on their masts, or the silhouette of the liver birds, chests puffed proudly against the silver smoke sky. Her ears longed to hear that familiar twang of words that came from nowhere else but home. The smell of freshly baked bread filled her nostrils, reminding her that she was hungry and undernourished, despite River's best efforts. Somewhere in the crowd, musicians created fast-paced music from woodwind and strings. A soundtrack to the pandemonium. Her head began to hurt. She had spent the last couple of weeks in isolation and the marketplace was an assault on her senses. When the five slinked away into a darkened side street, it wasn't a moment too soon. Against the brightness of the market square, the cobbled road ahead appeared almost deceased. Lumbering buildings shadowed them on either side, neglected and menacing, like a graveyard of homes and shops. A trickling of two or three people passed by, but no more than that. This is the old town, Theon explained in a hushed voice. Lily mirrored his volume. What happened here? What happened here? Alcor glared at the tip of them over his shoulder, but Theon wasn't deterred. He was well accustomed to the presence of giants. The Oriacs. They affect the trade. They forced businesses from shop fronts to market stalls. Alcor turned fuller, this time with gritted teeth. You will do well to mind your tongues. Might I remind you that threats lurk in every shadow, and with Solaris captured, darkness falls everywhere. This is not a safe place to be overheard. River steps in front of her son, guarding him like a shield. You talk to my boy like that again, and you'll have bigger threats to worry over. There's enough aggression in this world without you spouting off bad manners at every turn. I've just about had it with your ways, Alcor. He stood silently, baffled by the fight in such a short, stout woman, before twisting away to carry on down the street, his strides growing larger to further the distance. Eventually, Alcor halted at a shop front, no more or less obvious than any other. The cobweb-riddled sign hanging above the door read, Trinket Shop. In here. Is all he offered an explanation. Clearly, he had lost his patience with the promises. 
Theodore looked at him expectantly. Aren't you coming? It's not my place. Luna will send for me later. And with that, he left. Theodore stirred after him like a puppy abandoned at the pound. He turned to his wife, unsure of the next step. I suppose we'd better get on with it then, she said, peering into the dimly lit shop window. I guess so. He replied. After you, Miss Lily. Me? Well, yes. You are the you-know-what, dearie. Up until this moment, Lily had assumed in her adolescent mind that the Tromises were somewhat in charge of things, leading her to where she needed to go, introducing her to the relevant people. But now, as they prompted her forward with looks of helplessness on their faces, she realised that they were as lost in this as she was. Her future was in her own hands, not theirs. Okay. She took a deep breath, followed by a step. A step through the threshold and a step into premature adulthood. The room was as dingy on the inside as the street that housed it. Lily wasn't sure what to expect when she entered, but knowing that someone of great importance had been there, she thought there might be a throne in the corner or finery of other kinds. But the place was completely absent of splendour. It would have been completely absent of signs of life too, if not for a freshly snuffed out candle on the display cabinet, its smoke spiralling up into the dank air. Desperate to break the stillness, Lily called out bravely, Hello? Silence was her only correspondence. The Tromises stood either side of her, rigid as metal. Hello? Theodore grumbled more urgently. My name's Theodore Tromis, and this is my family. He paused, listening. We are here to address matters of paramount importance. Lily gazed around the room, unsure of what to look for. There were brooches, hairpins, small ornate boxes and other dusty trinkets sat on display inside the cabinet. They were tarnished with age and aged with neglect. Spoilt wallpaper and torn artwork married nicely with the dilapidated decor. But there was no Luna. A creaking floorboard bulleted her head to the right. Straining through the darkness, Lily caught a glimpse of flowing fabric. The blood in her veins turned to ice. We, we mean no harm, River sang, trying to cover her fright with a gracious ladylike voice. For one whose life was in danger, and whose every move could bring about her last, Lily thought that Luna, if it was in fact her, might address them with trepidation, but instead she glided from the shadows with fearless elegance, knowing exactly what she was capable of. She was petite in structure, hidden beneath shrouds of amethyst velvet, but her lack of height did not take away from her powerful presence. Lily got the feeling that she could destroy the four of them with a flick of her wrist if she saw fit to. A hooded cloak shielded her from view. The only glimpse of the Zephyrian inside was the ropes of silver hair that pulled out long and winding over the fabric, and from the chasm of her gaping sleeves were bone white twisted fingers. Lily gulped at the sight of her nails. Talons, the texture of clear tree bark, each one pierced with a dangling charm. We're sorry to have caught you at an inconvenient time. River continued to battle with the stifling silence the only way she knew how. Pure politeness. We, we could come back. But this is a matter of urgency. Theodore pushed. It will be within your best interest. A ghostly palm rose to quiet him. Lily's skin prickled with unease as the woman glided to an uncomfortable distance beside her. She could feel the woman's power pulsing through the room. In turn, she addressed each of them silently. First Theon, then River, then Lily and lastly Theodore. She paused at the end of the line, her cloak spilling behind her. 
Whip fast, Luna sponsor her first lily. River gasped at the speed. Theodore clutched his heart. Theon's hand reached for Lily's and then fell back at his side. Lily tried not to tremble as the woman stood there, dissecting her. She leaned in as if to whisper a secret in Lily's ear, but instead of speaking, she inhaled her scent. You have reached us at last, she said, her words winding through the space between them like a snake. Long the wait has been, and heavy the burden has felt. Exhausting your journey will be. She slithered away, and Lily was grateful for the distance. All eyes were on Lily now, even Luna's, somehow, beneath the heavy hood. Lily could feel her scouring every cell in her body. Well, I thought there would be more convincing required. Theodore joked, trying to ease the tension. It took us at least a day. River glowered at him, unamused. Now is not the time for humour, Theo. Sorry, I'm stand-up comedian Mick Ferry. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, come on. It's Theon. Uh, how could you tell? Theon asked. Lily was wondering the same thing, but was too scared stiff to speak. Her blood is otherworldly. Its scent is potent. Though the presence of you three have diluted it, I could decipher hers in a heartbeat. Theodore chortled, sounding nervous. That's an impressive nose you've got on you. At times like these, I must rely on senses other than sight, she explained, turning finally to sever her stir from Lily. Luna approached an empty wall space between two bookshelves. It looked as though she was about to crash straight into it, but she stopped at the last second, her toes curling up against its mass. With lightning fast movement, she grabbed a scrap of something stone-like from the shelf to her right and began scratching on the wall with it carving interlinking triangles across its surface. She burbled incoherent sentences and for a moment Lily suspected that in the process of losing her brother and kingdom, Luna had also lost her mind. Lily looked to the others for an explanation, but they all stirred ahead as mystified as herself. The sound of fizzing drew her attention back to the wall. She's got a soda stream. (laughs) Follow me at once. Luna spoke, taking a hefty stride through solid matter. The wall engulfed her hall. What? <laughs> what? 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 Lily barks. Hey, I can't do that. I can't walk through walls. Just try it, dearie. River encouraged. We'll be right behind you. Lily edged to the wall, to the solid object that defied logic and science. With an outstretched arm, she sunk her fingers into the stone and they were eaten entirely. She yanked back on impulse, searching for damage, but there was none. She was as intact as the wall once was. You can do this, she told herself, and with a fortifying breath, Lily plunged herself into the unknown. Bum, bum. Ooh, where's she gone? Well, we've met Luna. Uh, yeah, that's Luna, peacekeeper. I like that character. She's cool, isn't she? Yeah, she was one of the first ones that I could sort of like. Well, we now know I can't conjure up images in my head. But, you know, like... Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, she's a creepy, cool one. Like, yeah. It's the way she's described and that and mm. stuff. But what's going to happen? All my women are small because that's all I knew. Tune in next time for chapters 10 and onwards of The Blood Charms. Yeah. And, and you want to add? So, Lily has already decided... 
Fuck these promises. Fuck the fear of me. Yeah. I need to get back. And she is pursuing a way back. Um, But also, what then will happen to Zephira? Mm. Mm. Find Find out out next time. Bird jams. Goodbye from Alco. Fucking big old man. Um, See you later, dear. (laughs) From River. But goodbye, everybody. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. I need to stop. I need to go. We're going. Bye. Thanks for being here. See you next time. Bye.